My name is Joe Crummy, one of the leaders here at the Being Place Church, and I'm going to be speaking this morning, and we're going to continue uh, from last week where we were taking a look at uh, what it is really to be a disciple or a follower, a learner of Jesus Christ, and today we're going to take a look at a couple more aspects of that, and we're going to sort of go back and forth from the book of Acts and one of our key passages from the book of Luke, and I just want to begin sort of with really again an intro into what we're doing today, but also kind of what we're doing over the next few months. And if you missed last week, I encourage you to listen to it online, as John was saying, on our website, and keeps you up to date on why we do what we do. And our scripture last week was from Acts chapter 2, really the first message that you have uh, from Peter, one of the followers of Jesus, after Jesus has uh, gone back to heaven, and people are wondering what's going on. And Peter preaches and teaches about Jesus from the Old Testament and what he's accomplished. And people, when they have that revelation of who Jesus is, they say, what do we need to do? And Peter said this to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so that's one of the aspects of what it is to be a follower of Jesus, is that we're going to take a look at some of these foundational things. And Jesus said to his disciples, go and make disciples, followers, learners of Jesus. And there's an individual, personal part to that, that we personally follow Jesus, and we're going to look at today what it means to be born again, what it means to be baptized, filled with the Spirit, those things, but there's also a corporate together part to it as well, and both are really important to understand. So just because you come to church doesn't mean by osmosis that you become a Christian, or just because you were born into a Christian nation or into a Christian family, there has to be a personal repentance, as we saw last week personal decision, as Marilyn was saying, to follow the narrow way, to follow Jesus. But then we also realize there's a corporate together part as well, that we're not just alone in following Jesus. Jesus puts us into his family. And that's equally important to realize that it's both go together, that these things we see in the New Testament are both personal, but they're also for us together. And we need to have both of those in mind. We also talked about briefly last week just about what it is to be a disciple Uh, following Jesus in 2012 here in Canada, in New Brunswick, in Fredericton, and here locally at the Meeting Place Church, and how we try to live out our lives according to biblical values that we see in the Scripture, being led by the Holy Spirit, and then we have to work those things out, just like they did in the book of Acts in their day and in their time, being under the Roman Empire and different things. We have to learn how to work those things out with some things like government, legislation, insurance, taxes, those sorts of things. And some of the things that we're going to be talking about over the next couple of months, as much as you may or may not like it, we have to include some of those things in to our understanding of what it is to be part of uh, the Meeting Place Church. And so we're going to continue to to do that. And I should just mention, because I forgot to mention it last week, most of the reasons why we're doing those things is we're changing because of the growth of our church. And so, as I said, the old clothes don't fit anymore. We have to make changes in order to deal with, which is a great thing, growth, but also what we want to do in the future. And uh, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, and we've been praying about it, one of the things that we're looking to do in the next couple of months is we're looking to bring someone else on staff full-time for our church. So we've been making those changes in our budget. We've been praying and seeking God about who that is, and we feel like God's provided somebody from within our own church, and we'll be sharing who that is next week. And we've been working on job description and just our needs as a church, um, we're going to be praying tonight for our kids' church. Do you realize, on paper, by if everything stayed 
the same in the babies that are going to be born this year. Between newborns and grade five, 73 babies and kids in the meeting place. Okay? So... <laughs> so Angela is freaking out and overseeing kids here. That's not even counting middle school or high school. That's just like newborns. So we need help, okay? So And then pastorally, a lot of things as we grow. So as I said, with that, and as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, just practical things, okay? We need to ask for an increase in our giving because our budget, because of these things, is going up 24% for this year, which is a big step. And as I shared a couple weeks ago, Okay, we did sort of the breakdown. There's a whole group of us, all right, that we need to give about 10, 15 more dollars a week. So you cut your Starbucks run or your Tim Hortons run, and it's there. Okay, the money's there. For some, it's 30 and 40 that we need. For some, we need to give just to start giving. Okay, and again, you've got to understand the purpose for that. Okay, it's to help make disciples. And we try to do everything as best we can on volunteering and Powering people, priesthood of all believers, all of those things. But at times, okay, the need, the demand is there. We need people to be able to give their full-time work to that. Okay? So that's very exciting. Right? Back to today. Okay? Foundations and everything we just covered in worship is when we have a revelation of who God is, of what he's done in Jesus Christ, of what it is to be a follower of Jesus, when we understand what Jesus has done, it says... We're singing, we're singing the gospel all the way through this morning, the good news of how Jesus has come, how he's come to set us free from sin, how he's come to bring us back into relationship with God as our Father, that we can be filled with his Holy Spirit, that we can have peace with God, that we can be free from the chains that bind us. We don't have to be slaves to fear and anxiety and depression and all these things that we believe are root of it is from the devil who wants to rob, kill, and destroy. When we have a revelation of that, then we respond. And our response, we're going to look at today in this really foundational things there's a part that we do in responding and there's a part that only god can do and we took a look at last week one of the parts that we do when we the holy spirit's always at work it's the holy spirit who draws us to jesus the holy spirit who reveals truth to us who brings conviction that we understand about sin all of that and as the early uh people responding to peter said what do we do now our part is this our part first part is repentance we looked at last week. It's a 180-degree turn. It involves movement. It involves action. It involves changing our mindset, heart issues, all of those different things. It's an, and it's an ongoing thing. But we stop following what we were following, whether that be ourselves, maybe a different religion, maybe as Gary's in that picture, you know, you can think about all the different things that we're passionate, committed to. Okay? We stop following those things, and we turn to Jesus. And our part as Christians, what the Holy Spirit does, he reveals how great Jesus is. And when you understand how much better and greater Jesus is than the things you are following, it's much easier to turn from them. And our part is the Holy Spirit brings revelation through the word of God, through the preaching, through us sharing our stories. So that's why it's really important for us to be sharing what Jesus has done in our life. The Holy Spirit uses those things to bring revelation. And then our response is, And Marilyn really nailed it on the head because Jesus said it. We follow the narrow path. Okay? So a lot of people might not follow Jesus, but when Jesus brings revelation by his spirit, we follow him. And we repent and we turn from different things. And now our mind is on the things of God. And it's a personal decision. It involves action 
And even as Christians, it's an ongoing thing because we can get let off onto idols all the time. We always have to turn back to Jesus. It also involves this. It involves action is, I'm going to believe God. And faith, just to help define it, is saying, I'm putting my trust in Jesus. I'm going to take God at his word. And this is God's way. He loves us when we follow him by faith. All the examples in the Bible, okay, they weren't perfect people, but when they said, I'm going to trust God, I'm going to follow him, God always loved that. He always responded to it. And that's God's way. We trust God's word. We trust in who Jesus is as we try to explain over and over again about what it is. He's the son of God, son of man, all these things, but him being our savior, redeemer, okay, he's the Lord, he's returning, all these things. I'm trusting in it. I'm going to trust in God's word over other things. And that's our part of faith, both for salvation, that when we're saved, and we're going to talk about today about being born again, but we go on believe in God, even as Christians, okay? It's not just a one-time deal, okay? I prayed the prayer, you know, I think I've been changed, and now I'm back to normal life. No, we go on trusting God, that he's going to call us, because Jesus is, he's our Savior. That's important, but he's also our Lord. And we have to be really clear on disciples. We are called to follow Jesus, and that's an everyday thing, okay? Every day. So in your family, in your workplace, at school, we're following Jesus all the time. And that's what it is to be a disciple. And today we're going to quickly look at two other aspects that are really important that were involved in Peter's first message, baptism in water, baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now we could speak, spend weeks on every one of these. And we're trying just to be, whew, we're going to try to be brief in going through these things. Let's pick it up in the book of Luke. And uh, one of my favorite passages, we have John the Baptist, and he's speaking, and John's doing some uh, pretty neat things in his day, and they were wondering if he was Jesus, and this is where we pick up the story. As the people were in expectation, and all were questioning their hearts concerning John, that's John the Baptist, whether he might be the Christ, John answered them all saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. The strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he preached good news to the people. That's quite a message. But Herod, the tetrarch, who had been reproved by him for Herodias, his brother's wife, and for all the evil things that Herod had done, added this to them all that he had, that he locked up John in prison. So John just kept speaking the truth. Herod, uh, he wasn't happy, and he put John in prison. Now, when all the people were baptized, this is before he's put in prison, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. And Jesus, when he began his ministry, was about 30 years of age. Great scripture passage. And we're going to take briefly just a look at this foundation of what it is to be baptized in water. And what do we mean by that? And we see that Jesus himself was baptized. Okay, first of all, let's just take a look at baptism. has always been a part of church history. So we see Jesus was baptized, and then we go through the book of Acts, and we see, as we said last week, remember those four corners or four uh, posts of a chair that we need all four in place? We always see this. Repentance and faith always came first, and then people were baptized in water, and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Or... 
Repentance and faith came first. They realized who Jesus is. They confessed with their mouth. They prayed. They received him as Savior Lord. And sometimes they were baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit first. And then later on, they were baptized in water. So the two can happen at different times. But the important part is this. Repentance and faith always came first. And this is a really key thing, is water baptism is for believers. Okay, It's not just something that anyone, in a sense, can do. People can do it. And I've heard Many people say, you know, I was baptized when I was a kid, or I was baptized, and all I didn't even really understand, but everyone else is doing it, and I did it. It didn't really mean anything. What we're talking about is water baptism is when we know okay, what repentance and faith means, and our first act of obedience in saying that Jesus is Lord is this, is that we're baptized in water. That's a sign of following Jesus. It's one of the very first signs of actually saying, I'm going to put Jesus first. And it was a big deal because, especially in Jesus' day, okay, the Jews felt they, didn't, they were already with God. They were children of Abraham. They didn't need to be baptized. Baptism was for Gentiles, those outside of the covenant. So it was quite radical when John was baptizing people, baptism of repentance, and Jesus himself was baptized. Okay, that was a big deal. And then we see from the early days, Peter writing his first message. What do we need to do? Repent. Okay, faith in Jesus, forgiveness of sins, baptized in water, and you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. So we just have to be clear that for us, baptism is for those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. And sometimes the question gets, how, how young or how old do you have to be to be baptized? We don't put um, any sort of you know, definitive age. Usually, hopefully, you know, most of the time, those who are going to be baptized are usually into their teens. They have an understanding of sin. They have an understanding of Jesus as for salvation, they have an understanding of repentance. We re- rely a lot on working with the parents, and those are things we have to talk out. And I can remember, I don't want to embarrass him, but I remember we were at Keith and Sue Warrington's, and we baptized James, who was quite young, and working that through. And before we baptized James, who was, do you remember how old he was? Oh, I don't know. This is nine or ten. Yeah, he was quite young. And James, in front of his family and all of his friends who were there, starts to share what it is about, and tears come in his eye, and he starts talking about repenting from sin and what he's done wrong, and I'm just like, he got it. <laughs> okay? And it's just like, you realize, even at 9 or 10, he understood, he had that revelation and was responding, and we could baptize him. It was quite a powerful time, wasn't it? So we don't put an age limit on it. We want to talk people through, because sometimes that question comes up as well. We see this, water baptism is by immersion. What do we mean? We mean people go fully under the water instead of being maybe sprinkled with water. And where do we get that from? Well, first of all, the Greek word for baptize, baptizo, means to immerse, to plunge, to submerse, like it's talking, okay, soaked, all right? That's the bottom line. And we see a couple of things in the New Testament, okay? Is this, if you look at John chapter 3, it's a cool little thing. It talks about John the Baptist, and it says John the Baptist went to a certain place. And why did he go there? Because there was plenty of water there. I love how the Bible includes everything in there. So you sort of get the sense he needed some water. In Mark chapter 1, when Jesus baptized, same story. It says that Jesus came up out of the water. If you read in Acts 8 about Philip with the Ethiopian eunuch, about how when he realized who Jesus is, he explained Isaiah. And he was like, his first response was, can I get baptized? There's water. Let's go, okay? So we just follow, again, the New Testament pattern, we believe, of people who put their faith in Jesus being baptized that is fully immersed in the water. And in a couple of minutes, we're going to explain why that's really 
important in the sense of what it uh, explains to us. And so here at the meeting place, I just took a quick look. Um, in the last whatever, however we've been, 12 or 13 years, we've been able to baptize, if I have my facts right, about 120 um, people over the year. And I have at least, off the top of my head, 14 locations. We've done lakes, rivers, swimming pools, indoors, outdoors, um, all over the place. Okay, So the place isn't so important. There's enough water there, and we've done it with the ice floating by, and we live to tell about that one. Okay, so immersion. It was tempting not to, but we did. All right, and most of the time on those ones, we do all the talking on land, and it's pretty short and quick uh, in the water. Okay, so these are essential things. Again, we believe as Christians here in our church uh, context, this is what we are all about. Now, what does baptism mean? And it's really important that we understand, like, the moment we become a Christian, and I'll explain this a little bit when we get to the Holy Spirit part, the Bible talks about we're united with Christ. We are joined with Christ. We are in Christ. And the Bible has this way of explaining that what happened to Jesus happens to us. And if you, just from the songs we sung this morning, it was so clear. I mean, you think, I love it every week. It's Christmas and Easter here every single week because it's so great that we talk about God coming in Jesus, what Jesus did on the cross, his resurrection, his ascension, that Jesus is coming again. And we're identified in baptism with what happened to Jesus. And Paul said this in Galatians 20, one of our, 220, one of our favorite verses, okay? For I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But the life I live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And baptism is an incredible picture of what happened to Jesus happens to us. And one of the first things, when Jesus was on that cross, he died. And when we are united with Christ, we die. Now let me just read this out to you from Romans, because Paul says this explaining, okay, what takes place. And I'm going to pick it up in chapter 6. And just for to keep it brief, okay, you can read it all, in, um, but I'm going to pick it up in verse 3. Paul says that, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried, which we'll get to the next part, with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we've been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that the old self was crucified with him. This is really important so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. And it goes on about how we can now live a new life that pleases God. Well, baptism is an incredible picture that, okay, just as Jesus died on the cross, when we are baptized, when we go under the water, we're crucified. And the next point is we're buried with Jesus. Just as Jesus was hung on a cross and then he went into a tomb, we die, we're buried. So this is really important to understand. Our old self, okay, that was in Adam, okay, that was born into sin, that we could not help but sin, although we take responsibility for our actions, that part that separates us from God, that the DNA of sin was in us, that dies when we are born again. You have to follow me on that. The old self is done away with that was a slave 
to sin. And we're going to talk about next in spirit-filled life, about what it is to be a new creation. You were taken out of being in Adam, who right from Genesis 3 sinned, and his consequences affects us today. And that's why we needed a Savior who was born of Mary, okay, human, but also born of the Holy Spirit. So the line of Adam, that part was cut off spiritually. It's really important that we understand when we are crucified with Christ, our old nature, depending upon some translations, this is where it gets a bit confusing. I say our old self that was in Adam, that was corrupted by sin, dies just as Jesus conquered sin and death when he was died and buried on the cross. That is foundational for us as Christians to realize we do not have to be a slave to sin any longer. Foundational. If you don't know that you've been set free from the power and dominion of sin over your life, then you'll never believe that you can make good choices enabled by the Holy Spirit that please God, that keep you from going back to being in slavery. If you're just saying, I'm a sinner all the time, and I'm just saved by grace, so yeah, I'm forgiven, but yet I'm going to hold on till heaven because until then, I'm just addicted to these things. I can never get free from sin because I'm just holding on. You'll, you'll live a defeated life. You have to understand, when we're buried, when we're crucified with Christ, what happened to him happens to us. And my old life, my old self, my, all my sins, all those things are buried, cut off, done away with because I've been dead. I'm crucified with him. Foundational to understand. And the good news is this. Is that baptism, when you come up out of the water, just as Jesus was buried in the tomb and he came out of the tomb, he was raised by the power of the Holy Spirit. That same Holy Spirit, that same power raises us from the old self to be now, the Bible talks about this, we're a new creation. Old has gone. Everything's become new. And now, here I skipped ahead, sorry, E, raised with Jesus. We're now raised by the power of the Holy Spirit to live a life that pleases God. Now you've got a different purpose in your life. This is why following Jesus, it becomes not just self-centered, that I'm forgiven and makes me feel good and all those things. All those things come with it. But actually now, we live a life that pleases God. We're now followers of Jesus. Now we're, he's our Lord and we follow him. We're raised to life. We get to live a new life. Hallelujah. So when Debbie's able to share that this morning about Jesus coming, he's the anointed one. He's come to set the captives free. This is part of it. What he accomplished on the cross brings freedom to us that the old power of sin that we could not that was our master that we could not get away with get away from is broken because we die to it and we're given new life and now we're now in christ and if you're a christian that's your main title you are now in christ and that's absolutely foundational to understand up here but that's who you are the old is gone you've become new and the other thing is with baptism is that you're identified with Jesus and his church. You're now marked. That now I'm a follower of Jesus. In baptism publicly. Jesus hung on the cross publicly, naked, took our shame, our guilt. Okay, he was tortured. All that he did for us. He identified with us. Now we are identified with him. And it's costly. 
In our culture, it's costly. It's costly to say, I'm going to follow the narrow road. I'm going to follow Jesus. Okay? When all my science friends say, you're crazy to believe that. Science disproves all of that. It's costly to say, well, no. And let's just talk about these things. I'm going to follow Jesus. Okay? It's costly. No matter what you're in. Okay? In some countries, it's costly. As I shared before, our friends who came to our Alpha course, I was talking to them. They were from a different country realize the severity of it. He says, if I become a Christian and I go back, I will be killed. It was that clear. There's no gray area. It was black and white. He understood. Okay, if I do this, I understand. If I'm baptized and I identify with Jesus, okay, I will be killed. Okay, that's the severity. It's costly. One way or another. Sometimes it's costly sort of in popularity. Sometimes it's a matter of life and death. That we're identified with Jesus, now we're identified with his church because we're his body. So baptism's really key. Okay, and it's great that we have baptisms here. I'm sorry, our facilities don't allow it so much that you know we can have baptisms all the time, so we have to kind of do it sometimes more not in private in a sense, but we can't do it always here. But it's important. So if you're a Christian or maybe you want to learn more and you haven't been baptized in water, come and talk to us, please. Okay? We We'll make other accommodations than the river at this time, okay? Not to scare you off. It's costly, but, you know, yeah, anyways. All right. Last thing, okay? Foundations is this. Baptism in water. The same word is used to talk about baptism in the Spirit. And John the Baptist pointed to Jesus and said, He's the one who's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Okay? And first of all, again, we have to just understand how important it is to realize that when we become a Christian, we repent, okay, when the, the Holy Spirit's always at work. We can never do this on our own. It's always the Holy Spirit revealing. He's always at work even before you become a Christian. Even before you've heard of the Holy Spirit, he's at work in your life. He's drawing you. He's revealing. He's turning the light bulb on. The alarm clock's going off. You're even aware of like, wow, I didn't even know there was a Bible. I didn't even know there was a Jesus. You know, I always heard about Christmas, Easter. I never understood it. And you're like, man, I never thought about this before. And you start to maybe have an awakening, maybe a hunger. We use it different ways. That's the Holy Spirit at work in your life. He's at work in your life before you even know who he is. And he leads us, as the Bible says, God's kindness leads us to repentance. That we realize, hey, I've got to turn from these idols my own way. I'm going to put my faith in Jesus Christ. And when we pray that prayer, when we confess with our mouth, Jesus, Lord, we believe in our heart. God raised him from the dead. We understand these things. God does something in us that is supernatural. And Jesus said this to Nicodemus, who was a great religious leader, who followed all the different things. And he came to Jesus undercover and saying, Jesus, like, tell me the real deal. What, what do I have to do? And Jesus said this to him. Okay, you can read it in John chapter 3, just before John, the famous John 3.16. You can read it there. John 3.7, Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. And Nicodemus was like, what in the world are you talking about? And Jesus saying, hey, there's a physical birth and there's a spiritual birth. Okay, we get to celebrate a physical birth this week with Gary and Nikki. Okay, we get to celebrate spiritual birth as well. Is that God does something in us. The Bible says that spiritually speaking, before we become a Christian, we're dead. Okay, what was lost with Adam and Eve sinning, we're dead. Okay, spiritually, we've lost that relationship with God. And when we're born again, we put our faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit bursts something new in us that we didn't have before. Okay? And the Bible calls it 
rebirth or new birth or regeneration. There's different words depending upon your translation. Okay, in Titus 3.5, you read ESV, it says regeneration. You read it NIV, it says rebirth. Talking about the same things, that we have to be born again. And folks, this is really important. I'm speaking to, I'll speak to our maritime Atlantic Canada culture that has a remnant in a good way of being religious. Okay? We have many people in our culture who do good deeds, who give to charities, who do all kinds of different things. Okay, But if you're not born again, okay, you're missing out on what it is to be a Christian. So this is really important for us to understand in our culture. Many people think they're Christians and they're really not. Okay? And it's not a slam. It's just a realization. Like important to realize I've met so many people Okay, in my life, when explained to them, and they would say they're a Christian, they go to church, they do good deeds, all that, but when you begin to speak about these things, they don't have a clue what you're talking about. And you can see the spiritual things are not there. The outward things are, guys, that's our old self and our old will trying to get right with God or trying in our best to follow God. We need to be born again. Okay? We cannot live a life that pleases God without his spirit in us. And when he gives us new birth, when he regenerates, when he gives us a new creation inside, that's the indwelling, that's the Holy Spirit now lives and dwells and resides in us. We are a new creation in Christ. We've been born of the Spirit. There's different words in the Bible that talk about the same thing. It wasn't there before, now it is. It's really important that we understand that. And therefore, the Bible says, When that happens, we get a new heart, we get a new nature, and we get new desires. And how much better it is than under what the Jews tried to do in the Old Testament. They had the Ten Commandments, they knew right from wrong, and in their own strength, they had to try to follow it. And I know my own life, and it's filled around us, how many of us, for external reasons, try to keep right and wrong. I know it's the right thing to do, and I know I went grow up in church, I was physically present, but I missed everything that was said. <laughs> so externally, I was a good boy. I went to Sunday school. I went to church. I went to prayer meeting. But on Sunday morning, I was replaying the whole hockey game from the night before, let me tell you. Okay? And I was trying to keep things on my own strength, never quite matching up. But I felt pretty good because compared to most people, I was doing well and always trying to earn that way to God and always trying to earn God's acceptance. That's a terrible way to live. It looks good from the outside. Okay, I wasn't in jail. Okay, that's a good thing. There's many good things from the outside that, hey, Joe's a good religious, good church boy, but I knew on the inside I was not. And until I was born again, that God gives me a new heart and a new nature and a new desire, now I want to actually read his word. Okay, now I actually want to get together and worship God. Now I want to shut off the TV and actually want to just sit and be still like I did the other night. And just in darkness, God, I need you. Come speak to me. And in like 20 minutes, in God's presence, just me and him talking changed everything. And then I, I want to read the word. I want to obey him. It's fun. It's joyful. Okay? And other things actually don't seem that appealing anymore. That's how it's meant to be. Okay? Now it's a battle. Don't get me wrong. Poof. Okay? This morning, holy cow. Our four guys getting ready and everything. And the car wouldn't start and everything. It's chaos, okay? And I do not feel like it was the new nature, the new heart, the new spirit within me that was winning, all right? It is a battle. 
But you've got to realize, if you don't know that those things are available to you, then you'll go on living the old way, that you'll try in your own strength, and it doesn't work. Even those of you who are perfectionists, okay, it, it falls short. We have to realize that when we're born again, we have a new heart. We have a new nature. We have a new power in us that allows us to follow God, not out of drudgery, not out of duty, not out of like, I'll get right with God if I just obey X, Y, and Z. No, it changes everything. I'm in love with God, and that affects everything. might not always feel that way, but I come back to it. And growing as a Christian is this. I think many of us think this. Okay, to become a Christian, I realize my need, so I realize my desperation, but then when I get saved, I'll get my act all together, and because now I'm saved, now I don't, I can now follow God because I'm saved and I just go on my own way. Becoming a mature Christian is actually this. We realize our dependence on God more than ever before. Actually, I can do less in myself. And I need more of his grace. I need more of his spirit. And Jesus, I need you more today than I even did yesterday. That's actually the upside down kingdom that's growing in maturity. God, I need you. I need your perspective. I need an eternal perspective. I need you, Holy Spirit. I need you to speak. I'm open. Help me to focus on you. I need your power to make good decisions. All these things. That's what it is. And I don't have time. We're going to run out. But all the way through the Old Testament, okay, we see the Holy Spirit. We've said it many times. Came on just a few people at a few times for a few particular reasons. But all these promises right from Moses, and you can read them all the way through in Ezekiel and Isaiah and Jeremiah, you're going to get a new heart. You're going to get a new spirit. And I'm going to write things on your heart that not on the Ten Commandments, on stone. I'm going to write them in your heart. Promise, promise, promise. John the Baptist, Jesus is coming. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, does it. he's our helper, our counselor, our comforter, our advocate, our lawyer, our teacher. He's the spirit of truth. He empowers. Who would not want these things, this person, to help you? And unfortunately, as Christians, many times we've not done a good job of explaining the Holy Spirit, of understanding what it is maybe to be born again, but not to be led by the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. He's our helper. Hallelujah, I have a helper. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to send one just like me. He's going to be your counselor, your teacher. He's going to be your comfort. He's going to give you peace. He's going to be your advocate. He's going to keep teaching you truth when the accuser Satan comes to accuse you. You've got your advocate, your lawyer, saying, remember what Jesus has done for you. Remember what Jesus has done. Remember what Jesus said. He's going to reveal those things. He's our teacher. He's going to lead us into all truth. He empowers us to be bold witnesses for him. And the question always remains, how do I be baptized, immersed, drenched, filled? We have the indwelling Holy Spirit when we're saved, but we're not always baptized in the Holy Spirit. And you can go back, I think it was November, either the 20th or 27th. I did a whole message on this. So you can go back and listen to that in more clarity because I've run out of time, sorry. But I did a whole message from Ephesians chapter, or from Acts chapter 19 about the early church in Ephesus on this exact thing about can I be a Christian and not be filled with the Holy Spirit? I'll explain it in more detail. So go to our website. I think it's either November 20th or I think it's November 20th. And you can learn more. But this, we've got to be thirsty for God. Okay? thirsty, we get physical thirst, we need spiritually. Okay? I might have be born again into one, but man, I don't feel, I don't think I've experienced this baptism, this empowerment, this assurance of salvation. I don't think I've experienced 
that. Thing. Start getting thirsty for Jesus. Okay? And who do we go to? We go to Jesus. We come to ask to Jesus. Jesus, you, John the Baptist said, you would baptize with Holy, baptize the Holy Spirit and with fire. Okay? We're baptizing the Holy Spirit. Things change. And we can see it all the way through the book of Acts. There's a cleansing that comes. There's fire that comes. And stuff gets burned off by being filled with the Holy Spirit. There's an empowerment that comes. I'm going to be a witness. Shame disappears. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm going to be a witness for Jesus Christ. I'm proud that I'm his servant, that he's my master, that he's my elder brother. Okay, All these things that Jesus is to us. And we have to learn to receive. Okay, Just as at Christmas, I, it was great. I was under the tree. I gave out gifts to Angela, to Micah, to Noah, to Jarrett. Guess what? Anna's not even two years old. It took one gift for her to figure out what to do. We can learn quickly. And just as physically we do that, Anna, next, mine, me, she was ready. She assumed the position. She ripped things open. Spiritually, we need to do that as well. Okay, I'm coming to Jesus. He gives the gifts. He gives the Holy Spirit. Okay, it's not a passive thing. It's an active thing. I'm coming. I'm coming, Jesus, to you. I believe. I step out in faith. I trust you that you're going to fill me with your Holy Spirit. I'm born again. I believe that. I put my faith in Jesus Christ. I come to you, and I'm going to learn how to receive. And sometimes it's awkward and all that things. And sometimes the Bible says, you know, we can get others who to lay on hands to be like a channel to help pray for you. But you learn how to receive and how to drink of the Holy Spirit by faith. Okay? Instead of just being like waiting for the lightning bolt to hit you, you engage. Say, Holy Spirit, would you, I come to Jesus. Jesus, would you baptize me now with your Holy Spirit? Would you fill me now? I believe you. Come, empower me. And we begin. And sometimes as we do that, as we begin to pray and sing, sometimes Jesus gives us a new language that the Holy Spirit does. He gives us language and tongues that we now can pray to God. Even if our mind doesn't know what to pray, we can begin to pray in our own language to God that builds us up, that edifies, that encourages us. What a powerful thing. Okay, I'm trying to teach our kids this. Micah, last night, I was hilarious, eh? Because I was teaching about the Holy Spirit and about praying in tongues. And he was just like, Dad, blah, 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 blah. He thinks the whole tongue thing, it's a hard one to try to explain to a nine-year-old. But I'm trying, all right? Okay. But once you've experienced it, and as I've said on many countless occasions, sometimes when you're praying, and to be honest, sometimes it's hard to know what to pray, when you start to pray in tongues, because it's a gift and it builds us up, okay, it helps you as you do that to then get your mind on the things of God. It helps encourage your spirit. And all of a sudden, my prayers in English now are a lot more faith-filled, powerful, clear, focused, and effective. Okay? That's one thing the Holy Spirit does. Okay? Again, it's not evidence that you've been baptized. I'm just saying a lot of times that's one of the gifts God chooses to do, and we get to be part of that. We get to have assurance that we're loved by God, that he's our father. That's the primary okay, sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I know that I know that I know that God loves me, that Jesus has saved me, that I'm his, and now I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Folks, these are foundational things. Okay? And it, it saddens me. Okay? It saddens me. Paul said all the time, you know what? I don't want you to be ignorant. It saddens me 
when I see many people who are Christians missing one or two of the legs that we need for a good foundation. Some people have never repented of stuff. They have no idea that they're still thinking old way, that they've never renounced some things and they still have idols in their life. Some people just have kind of missed that whole understanding of, you know, yeah, I believe in I believe in Jesus, like it's answering a test, like a history test. Hey, no, it's like we're putting our faith and we're understanding I am in need of a Savior. I'm in Adam, and I've also sinned. I need forgiveness. I'm desperate for a Savior that God has provided. I can't keep the law on my own. That's Some people miss out on that. Some people have never been baptized in water. They don't understand what it is to be identified with Jesus. They don't understand the whole, I've been crucified with Christ. People don't understand that, hey, I've been no longer a slave to sin, and then we, sometimes we miss out on what it is that I have the Holy Spirit, that I can be filled with the Holy Spirit. So, folks, you got to, again, be honest with yourself here this morning as we close, because I know time's gone. I understand people here this morning aren't Christians at all, okay? and this morning the Holy Spirit could be working in your heart. He could be stirring things that you realize, man, I'm here, I'm hearing. This message, God's drawing you. He wants a relationship with you. Okay? He wants you to be out of sin and slavery, even if you don't understand all what that means. Okay? He wants a relationship with you. He's provided Jesus to make that possible. There's a part of it that's a narrow road. You're going to have to make some decisions. In Maryland, you've got to give some stuff up. But boy, when you see what you're giving it up, who you're giving it up for, like, why did I even, I've seen Jesus now. Some of you are going to be baptized in water. Okay, We're going to have to have a baptism soon. I believe out of this message, some of you are going to respond to that. And some of you are going to want to receive prayer this week to be filled, baptized with the Holy Spirit. Okay? So you're going to have great life groups this week. Okay, You're going to have lots to talk about in your small groups. It's going to be excellent. Okay? And we're in this together. That we're all learning how to be disciples, followers of Jesus Christ. And we just want to provide opportunity Okay, as we close this part. Maybe we don't have time to speak to every one of you individually, but this is where the ownership's on you. Okay? You need to, if you need to talk to somebody, you need to take the initiative to talk. Okay? So maybe it's filling out a connect card at our welcome table and saying, I just need someone, I don't have anyone to talk to you. It's my first time here. Let us know, please. We'd be more than happy to provide someone to talk with you to come alongside of you. Some of you got to be honest and maybe, you know what, I've been a Christian for years and I hate maybe to admit it, but. Maybe I haven't repented of this, and maybe you need to get together with one or two people you trust, pray through some things. Some of you need to, need to take a step. Hey, I've never been baptized in water. Some of you need to say, I'm being honest. I don't know if I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's okay, people. It's okay. We're in this together. We're able just to humbly say, hey, can you help me with that? That's why we have different things through our life groups. If you're not connected to one of our small groups, we'd love for you to be able to get together and meet each week to discuss these things, to help each other, to pray for each other, to learn what more it is to be a Christian. Okay? But that's, we need you to respond. This is part of God using preaching. It's foolish if you don't get it. It's the power of God for our salvation. Okay? And we need to respond. So I'm asking you to take some ownership that as the Holy Spirit draws you and convicts you and convinces you and does a work, be bold and do the part that you can do. To say, hey, I'm going to meet with somebody. I'm going to get this. I'm going to follow up with this. I'm not going to let it slide. That's my part to do. And I encourage you to do that this week.
Okay, let's stand together. We've got to get our kids. Many of us and some of us need a cup of coffee. Okay, I want to pray. And I want to pray for the things that we talked about here this morning, for the Holy Spirit to do what only He can do, that He's going to reveal truth, that He'll convict, okay, that He'll set people free. So can you join with me? Let me just pray a general prayer. And then, like I said, if you need to follow up on different things, we're asking you to take that step to contact us, elders at the church, in your life groups, as your friends, okay, to follow up all these things one-on-one. So, Father in heaven, we want to thank you today, again, for your presence here by your Holy Spirit. We want to thank you for this great worship time when we can come with our songs of adoration and speak truth to you, and it renews our minds, and it helps us understand again who Jesus is, what he's done, that we're connected to him, that in his death, but also in his resurrection. We thank you, Jesus. We know you're coming again. God, so we look to you. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your gospel. We thank you this morning that we get to share, Lord, what you are done in the past, what you're doing today, what you're going to do. And God, I thank you for every person here this morning. God, not by accident. God, you by your spirit are always at work. You're drawing people here today. You're bringing truth. You're revealing things. And God, I pray now, Lord, for every person here, Lord, you know their hearts. Some here, Lord, who haven't been born again. God, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you convict and convince and show Jesus as Lord and Savior. God, I pray, Lord, for those who maybe need to renounce and repent and turn away from things. Lord, they would do that and turn to you, Jesus, our Lord and Savior. God, I pray, Lord, people take that step of faith, Lord, to say, yes, I'm going to put my trust and my hope in Jesus. All of everything I believe I'm putting in Jesus. God, I pray people to be baptized in water. God, understanding what has taken place, God, of being born again. And God, I pray for people this week to be baptized in your Holy Spirit, to understand just the assurance and the joy and the peace and the boldness that comes by being absolutely filled, drenched, immersed, dipped, plunged in your Spirit. Lord, we pray to your glory. We ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.